Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I'm sex educator and sexual communication coach, Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Paulette. Our lived experiences are radically different. She's in her 70s. I'm in my 40s. She's African-American. I'm white. She was raised Catholic. I was raised in a non-practicing Jewish home. She had a 38-year marriage. I've never been married. And yet, Paulette and I connected deeply on experiences of body image, how we experience turn-on, and so much more. This is part of what I love about these conversations. While the details will be different for each of us, we can see and recognize each other through our stories about sex and sexuality. Paulette is a 72-year-old cisgender female who describes herself as African-American and Hispanic, straight, monogamous, single since the death of her husband, and postmenopausal. She describes her body as thick. I am so pleased to introduce Paulette. I am so happy to be speaking with you and thank you because to be honest, I have been having a challenge um, finding postmenopausal women to speak with me. So I was absolutely thrilled when you said yes. Thank you for being here. You're so welcome. So let's just jump right in. Uh, the first question that I ask everyone is, what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? That's a great question. Um, I want to say when I was young, believe it or not, mm-hmm. um, I was curious about it. And I'm not sure where that curiosity came from, but I remember liking a little boy and being around him felt great. And then all of a sudden, we just started kissing. And I loved it. Do you know how old you were? Approximately? Mm, I might have been about eight, Mm -hmm. eight years old. Did you have any idea what kissing sort of meant, you know, like that this was a thing? Or was it just sort of the natural evolution of of the way that the two of you were with each other? It felt as though it was something that we were sneaking to do Mm -hmm. and that we couldn't allow other people to know that we were doing it because we were young. Yeah. How long did this go on for? Hmm. I would say for a long time. Yeah. For a long time. And not just with him, but as I think back, that has always been my preference in terms of interaction with the opposite sex. When you say that's your preference, do you mean kissing? Yes. Oh, okay. So you knew from an early age what felt good to you. Yes. And at what point did you begin to decide to desire hands on body contact? I think I was a little older and kissing became more than just lips touching. Mm -hmm. Um, There was being 
taught how to back in my day, French kissing. Uh-huh. That's what we called it. <laughs> and um I did it, liked it, and became very good at it. So in those earlier days when you were eight or nine, um, before you learned to quote unquote French kiss, what type of kissing was it? Was it dry pecs or was it something more than that, but less than tongues? It was just lips touching Mm -hmm. and for long periods of time. Mm. It wasn't just a peck. Yeah. It it was like, oh, I like you or I like what we're doing or um, you're my girlfriend. You're my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Do you have a sense of it being like when I hear you, it brings up this feeling of sort of sweet innocence for me. Does it feel that way for you? It felt that way at that time. But I also knew it was something that we weren't supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so because of that, um, I was very, very diligent in keeping it a secret. Uh huh. And at what point did you become old enough that it didn't need to be a secret anymore? Like what was the quote unquote appropriate age? for Hmm. you to be having contact with boys? Well, that's tricky because although I knew that I wasn't supposed to based on parental guidance, um, I did it. And I remember I thought, oh, well, at 16, a lot of my friends had boyfriends and their parents knew it. And so I went to my mother and I said, oh, can I have a boyfriend? And she looked at me like I was crazy. Hmm. No, you're too young. And I'm like, too young? Well, how old do I have to be? And for her, it was like 18, 19, 20 years old. But there was also an undercurrent of girls not being too promiscuous, girls not messing around with boys, um, especially in a an African-American family, in a West Indian family, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to bring shame on the family. Mm. And so they didn't talk about birth control. They didn't talk about sex. So all that I knew, I had to learn on my own. And where were you learning that from? Oh, in the street with my friends. <laughs> Which is super reliable information, I'm sure. (laughs) So you mentioned that um, before we started recording that you grew up in a Catholic home. What were you learning or hearing in your church about relationships and sexuality, if anything? Mm, Not very much. Again, um, I, I just don't remember sex being discussed openly. Sure. There was a, a real taboo around it. But I do remember that my brother, he was able to have more latitude than me. Mm. And it just takes me back to when I started menstruating. Um, I was in elementary school and it was a hot day and all of a sudden I felt very wet. Um, between my legs and I didn't know what it was and I went to the bathroom and there was all this blood well where is this coming from so I had my girlfriend go get my brother he came in the bathroom I told him what happened I said go tell ma because we live like two blocks away from the school so he went home he came back and he says ma said to just put some toilet paper between your legs and come right home okay So I did. And when I went home, it was, now you're a young lady, and this will happen once a month. And during those five days, you have to be extra, extra clean, and you must bathe. She sent my brother to the store to buy me some sanitary napkins, um, keep your legs closed and your skirt down, and that was the end of it. Wow. So it sounds like you had not been pre-prepared for this at all. At all. 
Wow. So like not even the, uh, the class in school where they separate the boys and the girls and they say, at you know, all. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been pretty shocking and horrifying to look down and find yourself bleeding and have no idea what was going on. It was. Did you think you were dying? I didn't think I was dying, but I did. I do remember feeling that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Because I didn't know anyone else that had their period at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was like, what is going on? And then when I go home, I thought, oh, well, I'll get a little bit more explanation as to what's going on. And when I look back, I didn't. Wow. I still didn't know anything. Yeah. So you didn't, was there, in that conversation with your mom, did she sort of go into the birds and the bees and like, now you're dropping eggs, which means you could get pregnant? Or was there any explanation of how those things go together? No. Wow. Keep your legs closed, Mm -hmm. your skirt down. You're a young lady now. Wow. So how did that leave you feeling about getting a period and being a young lady? Um, I didn't like it. Never liked it. I always felt that that time of month I was being punished for Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Um, to this day, I mean, I remember as I was growing up and you go into the doctor and the first question they ask is, Oh, when was your last period? And I never knew because I would always block it out. Oh, wow. And I realized that in order for me to be treated properly, I would need to know. That was information. It seemed that it was vital information (laughs) because I was always being asked, when was your last period? And I would always like a dummy. I don't know. (laughs) Well, did you get your period last month? Yes. But you don't know when. No. Mm. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I started writing it down. At some point in here, did you start becoming interested in having more serious sexual contact with the boys who you had been fooling around with? What I realized was I never really enjoyed sex Mm. and that's penetration. Yeah. And I never knew why. But as I grew older and thought about it, it was the foreplay that I enjoyed, Mm. but I didn't enjoy the penetration. Mm -hmm. And I think that that had a lot to do with the constant um, not having sex. My mother telling me that not to have sex because you could get pregnant And you don't want to shame the family and yada, yada, yada. And I think that had a deep psychological impact on me. Sure. I didn't realize it at the time. But as I look back, I think it did. I wonder if... So something that I hear somewhat frequently from women that I talk to is this sentiment that I don't really enjoy the penetration. I enjoy the touching that happens before the penetration. And often the, it turns out that part of the problem is they don't enjoy penetration because the touching gets rushed. And so they don't get fully turned on And therefore, they don't have enough lubrication to enjoy the penetration. It always felt that it was too short. There wasn't enough emotions. Mm. Um, I just found with foreplay, it could be just, you can manipulate it for as long as you wanted it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of that. I fell in love with this guy when I was about 16 or 17 years old. And I mean, at the time, I knew that I liked him a lot, 
but I didn't realize that it was love until 50 years later. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that, you know, you go through your entire life and you're still thinking about this person and the kind of pleasure that that person brought to you for you. And I remember one night I was going to a party and he was going to a party, but of course, two different parties. But we had this electric connection to each other that whenever we ran into each other, the evening was stopped, whatever we were doing, and we would be together. And I remember this one Friday night going to his house and being in his basement the entire night. And all we did was kiss. And we never had sex. We just kissed the entire night. And for me, I left his place dripping wet. Mm. But let me tell you how naive I was. I didn't even realize that I was having orgasms. Okay. I just knew that I was drenched. Yeah. But it was. An evening of just delightful pleasure, and it never stopped. And every time I was with him, that's what would happen. Uh And I I, I just, I dubbed it as we could make love just kissing. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think, it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There's no single answer that's right for everyone. So I'm going to help you discover what's right for you and we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown while going too slow can be infuriating. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM or consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. And together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free, no-obligation discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching coaching. What was your first experience of penetration? And how did you decide that you were ready for it? I'm not sure if I decided I was ready for it as much as it was. I was going out with this guy and I kind of figured, eh, what the hell? You're Ah. 20, 21. I mean, how much longer are you going to hold on to this virginity thing? But in the back of my mind, it was, yeah, but if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. Yeah. And I couldn't do that to my mother. Yeah. I couldn't embarrass her like that. So I'm not sure if that was part of why I didn't enjoy it, too because I was carrying a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during that period, no one talked about birth control. I was just going to ask, what kind of protection were you using, if any, during those Um, intercourse? Nothing. Uh (laughs) Nothing. 
because you couldn't, nobody talked about it. You didn't know where to go get it. Yeah. Um, so, no. Did you get pregnant? I didn't. Uh-huh. I didn't at that time. I didn't at that time. The The funny thing is, okay, so fast forward, I'm sexually active, and I know I don't want to have any children, so I've got to get some birth control. And I want to say that it was during a time when birth control had just, not just come out on the market, but it started being talked about as a way, another means of birth control, and uh-huh. it was easier for you to get. And I was an adult at this point, so I started taking birth control pills. Um, but I have this aversion to taking pills. I would always forget, as small as they were, <laughs> I would always forget, and I'd have trouble taking them. And, um, of course, I missed a couple of days or whatever, and I did get pregnant. Huh. And I was terrified. I was terrified. And there were a couple of things going on in my head. One, I wasn't married. Two, what would I tell my mother? I would be this big disappointment. Yeah. And the other part of it was I couldn't endure that pain, birth, giving birth. Uh-huh. And... I think I became so traumatized of the knowledge that I had a miscarriage. Oh, wow. How old were you? I was mm, maybe 22, Mm -hmm. 22, 23. And having had that pregnancy and miscarriage... Did that change your relationship with sex at all? No. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Matter of fact, I got pregnant again. Uh-huh. I was in a relationship, committed relationship, and um, again, I got scared out of my mind. I thought about giving birth and the pain that that would conjure up. And I had an abortion. Uh huh. And how old were you at this point? Mm, in my thirties. Uh huh. And what was that experience like for you? It was okay. Um, <laughs> strange, but I don't recall going through any guilt trips about it. I just knew that. I could not deal with the pain of giving birth. That was one aspect. The other aspect was, again, I wasn't married. And it was like, I I, I can't do this. Mm. I cannot do this. So to be in your 30s, in your generation, to be in your 30s and unmarried strikes me as somewhat unusual. Is that Correct? Uh, Yeah. But when you're, that wasn't a priority. That was not a priority for me. Uh Uh-huh. I was very independent. I knew that getting married, I'd have to give up some of that independence. Uh Uh-huh. And that was scary for me. Mm. That was very scary for me. I can relate to a lot of that. But I'm from a generation where it's much more accepted. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. So um, during this time, you're you're in your we've moved from your 20s into your 30s. Um, you're unmarried. You're sexually active. Are you? Did you have a series of monogamous relationships, or were you someone who had sex outside of relationships? No, had to be a relationship. I I couldn't just sleep with anyone. I had to care about them. And so as you got into your 30s, 
how was sex feeling to you? Had the experience of it changed at all? No. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) So still really enjoying the kissing and the touching, but less so the penetration. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And so now my girls, and they're my girls' spiritual daughters. And, you know, they'll say, well, you know, don't you want a companion? Don't you want to be with someone? And it's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. For a variety of reasons. I don't want to be in another relationship at my age because I don't miss the sexual part of it. I don't need that. The companionship, mm, I like being alone. I like my company. Mm. So... At 72, I'm good. Yeah. So we've skipped over a portion of your history here, because I I know that you were married. Mm -hmm. And you also told me that you have two children. Mm -hmm. So are they biological children or adopted? Adopted. Okay, so you never have gone through the birth experience. No. (laughs) (laughs) You're not surprised, are you? (laughs) Not by the way this conversation has gone. (laughs) And so at what age did you get married? Um, How old was I? I want to say 35. And what made that relationship different that you decided you were ready to make a commitment? What happened? I I settled down. I stopped partying hard. Um, I had my first son. And I thought, you know, okay, I want to do life a little differently. And I met someone. And unbeknownst to me, feelings for him grew. And I, I wasn't even aware of it. My friends were, <laughs> and they would tell me about it, and I would tell them, no, you're wrong. He's not the type of person that I would fall in love with. I'm not even attracted to him. And then I found me feeling certain ways when I didn't see him. And then before you knew it, full-blown relationship, spending a lot of time together, I didn't want my son to be around a lot of different men. And so it became real serious, real fast. And so we were dating maybe hmm, five years and then we got married. Mm -hmm. And I assume based on what you said that your experience of sex remained the same in terms of not enjoying penetration. Did you have that really enjoyable, sensual experience with him? No. Mm. Mm-mm. Did you Mm-mm. miss it? Um, I did. And I thought that I could teach him what I liked and what I wanted. But he wasn't teachable. Oh, And, you know, when you're talking about a black man, that's kind of like an attack on their ego Mm. because they already know they think they do. Um, and, And for them during that time, that era, it's not about the pleasuring. Their pleasure, they get what they want. And for me, it was, the woman was secondary. Uh-huh. And so for me, it was like I wasn't getting what I wanted. I couldn't even t- teach him how to kiss me the way I wanted to be kissed. And I would try to demonstrate. But because he wasn't used to that, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasurable for him. Mm-hmm. And so... I found that the more I tried to get him to do it the way I wanted it, created a chasm Mm. between us. And so rather than deal with that, I just shut down in terms of um, not getting what I wanted. 
Were you continuing to have regular sex? Um, yeah, but then I would always find ways not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was okay with it. What about him? Um, he was okay. He was okay. Be- it, because I think the other part of it, too, is that he was older than me. And so... I think he kind of enjoyed the fact that I wasn't all over him all the time. Although I do remember during the beginning of our relationship, oh my God, it was nonstop. We were like rabbits. (laughs) Um, But after I realized that I wasn't going to get what I needed and wanted, then it kind of slowed down a little bit. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. How did that lack of fulfillment of your needs and desires affect the emotional aspect of your relationship? Did it bleed over into other areas of your relationship? Mm. I don't know how to answer that, except I would become distracted with my boys putting more time and effort and energy into them mm-hmm. than the relationship, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And you think that if there had been more of a sexual connection that you might have spent some of that, that attention and energy on the relationship? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long did that relationship last? 37 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time to feel unsatisfied yeah i'm curious hearing you say that you enjoy your own company and you don't you don't need any of that and i i'm not questioning that i absolutely believe you i also wonder if someone showed up who wanted to kiss you and pleasure you in the ways that are really pleasurable to you would that change your mind like would you be like yeah, maybe I will have some of that. 
You know, it's interesting that you should ask that question because I want to say in the last week or so, my thought process has been going on thinking a lot about, okay, we're going through this pandemic. A lot of things are slowing down. A lot of things are changing. I feel it and see it and sense it as a spiritual awakening. Mm. And I thought about that. And I said, you know, suppose you did run into someone going to the mailbox (laughs) 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 that you felt an attraction to. Would you be open to explore that? And I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And and sometimes I question myself, am I okay because I feel that I need to be okay? Or am I okay because I'm afraid to become vulnerable again mm. and not get what I need? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. So I do ask myself, those questions. So there are two topics that um, haven't come up yet that I want to ask you about. The first is masturbation. Is it something that you did? And did it provide you the kind of sexual pleasure that you weren't getting from partnered sex? I've never masturbated. Would you believe that? Really? I have never, ever. And I think the reason why I didn't is because I didn't grow up in an era where women pleasured themselves. Mm -hmm. And to masturbate meant something was wrong with you. Mm. And, you know, I think about all the things that you grow up with that you don't know at that time is going to have such a major impact on your life, but it does subconsciously. Mm-hmm. At 72, I will not sleep nude. Wow. I've tried when I was younger, you know, well, I'm grown. I have my own apartment. Um, I'm in here by myself and it's hot and I can sleep nude if I choose to. And so I would start off that way. I'd get out the shower and I'd feel good and I'd get in bed. And uh, midway through the night, I'd be up and in a nightgown or pajamas. Wow. Um, oh, well, I'm going to go to bed, but I don't need any covers. I don't have to cover my body, you know. Uh, I have a sheet on my bed and I pull it up. You know, and I cover myself. And and I realized that all of that is stuff that I heard as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I I, my my son, my youngest son, I remember we were talking one day and he was says, Well, you know, when I come home from work, you know, I like to take my clothes off, I sleep nude, and I'm like, What? You do what? (laughs) I'm telling you. I I said, what? He says, yeah, I sleep nude. I don't sleep with no pajamas. I said, get out of here. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, but suppose there's a fire. He said, so I'll put my clothes on. I said, get out. But in the quietness of my self, my mind, I was like, yes. Yes, go. I'm so Uh, proud of you because that's how I raised them not to, I raised them to appreciate their body and not look or refer to their body as something that's not beautiful and healthy. Well, so that's an excellent segue to my other question, which is about your relationship with your own body. How have you through your life felt about your body? Not good. Mm. Not good. 
It's, it's, it's strange. <laughs> no, yeah, really. Not good. <laughs> uh, um, I've always been thick. From a little girl, I've always been thick. And so I would look in the mirror and I'd see my midriff and it's like, oh my God, disgusting, terrible. If I could only just get rid of this. And I've never really embraced and loved my body. But I knew when I had my boys, I didn't want them growing up with hang-ups about their bodies and about other people's bodies. And so I would bring them in the shower with me. Of course, they were age-appropriate. They were like two, three years old. And, you know, I would have them shower with me and, you know, they would ask, well, what is that? Oh, that's my breast. Well, what is that? That's my vagina. Oh, what's that? That's your penis. Oh, uh-huh. what's that? So they grew up not being ashamed of their bodies. And I've got to say that I'm really, really proud of that piece for me because like the younger boy he gained a lot of weight and he was dating, well, he's married to her now, but I remember him saying, oh, she's thick. And I, he says, oh, and she sleeps nude. I said, really? <laughs> and, 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 you know, it wasn't so much the nude as much as it was, oh, my God, she's thick, but she, she'll, she'll, she'll actually lay in the bed with the light on nude and he goes to bed nude and he's the well mama you know we need love too and I said (laughs) you know you are absolutely right and I was so proud of him because he was able to be and do what I couldn't Mm. how did your feelings about your thickness affect your willingness to get naked with the men who you were sleeping with? Oh, boy, it, it, it played a big role. Um, most of them never saw me <laughs> with the really? light on. Yeah. Oh, wow. It would always have to be in the dark. Uh-huh. Um, there was one guy. Um, I allowed him to see me nude. Because I knew he loved me more than I loved him. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I knew that it didn't matter what I looked like. He loved me anyway. Uh Uh-huh. So it was okay. The others, you know, yeah, I think they do. (laughs) But I'm not quite certain. And Uh if they see my body... All these roles, you know, like they couldn't see them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because, you know, I disguised them really, really well. (laughs) It has always astonished me how different my concept of my own body is from the concept of seemingly anyone else who looks at it. Mm. You know, like I've been so self-conscious about my body and the rolls and the jiggles, you know, all of that. And yet it occurred to me, it was sometime in the last few years when I was going through my period of sexual healing and, and body reclamation, and it occurred to me, that I had never once taken my clothes off in front of someone and had them say, oh, never mind, put your clothes back on. Mm. Which was, of course, my fear, Mm. that if they saw my body, they would be less interested in me. But never once did that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know of what I speak. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Without question. Yeah. And again, that feeling, that fear of, am I going to look weird? Am I going to smell weird? Am I going to taste weird? And yet, I've never had a partner look down there and be like, oh, yeah, you know what, this don't look right. Mm. (laughs) So Mm. yeah, we, 
as women, I think we've been we've been dealt a load of bullshit about yes. how we look and how we're going to be perceived that doesn't actually match up with reality most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. We all have a basic need to be touched, to have some physical contact with others. Some people's touch need is very high. Some people's touch need is very low, but we all fall somewhere on that scale. So since your husband's passing, have you been able to get your touch need met without having a partner? That's an interesting question. (laughs) Prior to the pandemic, I... I believe how the touch sensory was being met for me was by my, by my tribe, Mm -hmm. by the village that I created, um, my girls, my son, other friends. But in terms of intimacy, it's strange. I, I, I don't feel it except sometimes. And, and this is so weird. Um, sometimes I'll be in bed and all of a sudden I'd get this feeling as though I'm being touched and I'm being, being prepped. Hmm. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. And I remember the first time this has all happened since my husband died. And I remember the first time it happened, it frightened me, and I immediately dismissed the feeling. I wouldn't even allow it, allow myself to feel the pleasure of it. And then it happened again. And I said, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And then I attributed it to the guy that I was in love with at 16, 17, and we would make love kissing. Uh He has died prior to my husband. And he was the only one who could make me feel that way. So when I did feel that way, I'd say, okay, okay, leave me alone, please stop. Uh And then the next time it happened, it would be more intense and longer because now I'm allowing to f- myself to feel the feeling, to feel the pleasure of it. Mm-hmm. And that, that happens. That happens. Mm-hmm. And so what I've given myself permission to do is to feel the pleasure of those brief seconds. How lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. What belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could correct her on now? That it was bad and it was nasty and good girls didn't do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's the biggest one for me because I think that had a lot to do with why I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Did you ever feel like there was a possibility of a breakthrough to enjoying it? Or was it just something that was not, didn't seem available to you? I don't think I gave very much thought to, to thinking about it being pleasurable. Uh huh. Um, I don't think that I gave much energy to my one day finding this thing that just blew my mind. And, you know, talking to my girlfriends who were doing it and enjoyed it and loved it, I would kind of look at them like they were crazy. Like, (laughs) really? And they just thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was nothing that I ever enjoyed. Yeah. Except kissing. Hmm. 
Well, I'm glad that you had that piece of it that you enjoyed yeah. and those memories. Yeah. Paulette, I have asked you all of the questions that I have. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to kind of think about and go back to the parts and pieces that help create who I am today. Mm. And I'm really grateful for that. Because sometimes I think about who I am, how did I become who I am? If I could do it again, would I do it this way or how I would change it? And and I like that opportunity because although there were some pieces that were missing, I think for the most part, it was good. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>